0: Thank you for tuning in to the VF1 show with VF and Vincenzo, the podcast that discusses all things business, marketing, politics, and government within the world of Formula One. If that's your thing, then you found the right place. So without further ado, it's lights out and away we go.
1: Welcome back to the VF1 show. I am Vincenzo Landino, one of your hosts. Today, we are talking about ESPN's new Formula One partnership. Is the cost cap working? Big question there. Big question. I think we have a lot of things to say about that. Uh, a little bit about DTS and does it have a sexism problem? I don't know. Does it? And the new show and tell procedure, something else I know we wanted to jump into. Quick reminder, want you all to subscribe and review to our podcast on your favorite podcast player. Your reviews go a long way at helping us get the show out there and more folks. And today, as always, I'm joined... By the sharp, the Everluminous, which is, I think, the one I'm going to start calling you. That's going to be my my go to yeah. for you. Uh, VF Castro, how are you today, baby?
0: I'm good. I'm I'm a little tired though. I feel like spring kind of came a little too fast in Texas because suddenly, like, we're having a freeze and it, everything is is cold, and suddenly it's like hot to sell outside and humid, and it's just too much at the same time, and it's just. You know, on one point, it reminds me we're officially into racing season, which makes me happy. But then another, I'm like, yeah, I live in Texas and it is hot (laughs) as hell. So, how are you today?
1: Good, excellent. Uh, Traveling, so I'm on the road. I'm not uh, in my typical studio, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, fortunately, I'll be I'll be traveling for the two weekends or two weeks, I guess, where there is no Formula One. Essentially, well, there is one. In, let's see, Jedd in, in a week, so that's that's good because I don't like I don't like not watching races from from home, like in my little command center and being able to set up the way I need to. But other than that, doing real well and uh, excited to do some more talking about F one and the topics that we've got today. I mean, I'm just just excited to be here. <laughs> you are. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Oh, Wayne crashers, any are... crashers.
0: You're officially more high maintenance than I am. You need like I to official setup. <laughs>
1: That's amazing. Well, you know, I was traveling in Italy two years ago, and I had my iPad, and I had to do the whole VPN, F1 TV, find Wi-Fi, stay in the corner, and watch it. Like, I just weird. I, I just I want to be comfortable. I need to do some. You know, I need to be able to tweet, or I need to be able to to. Text with my friends and p- other people that are watching. If I'm not watching with people and you know, just the whole thing, it's it's like the way to do it.
0: True. There's one thing about getting older. It's we we have our routines. We like our routines, and there's nothing wrong with that.
1: Yeah, I, I, that's what it is. I'm getting old, basically, and that is proving to be. I'm I'm proving to like become my my parents. You know, there's like now there's routine, and it's like, man, I used to just be so fly by the seat of my pants, and now it's like. Nope, it's nope, it's three thirty in the afternoon. You got to do this. Nope, it's you know, it's five o'clock. Oh, it's seven thirty. the kids gotta go to bed. It's, yeah, never had that in my life. Now I do. whatever.
0: <laughs> I'm sure all of our listeners can relate at some point uh, in in all of this, but hey, this is life. life happens.
1: by the time uh, you are all listening to this, it will be uh, almost a full week out from our first race. Uh, So we're not going to go into what happened too much because I don't think it's important to talk about that, especially on this show where we talk a little bit more about the business and politics and the happenings of of Formula One off the grid. Um, Something I thought was cool, for lack of a better word, is the uh, new partnership ESPN signed. Uh, Did you notice that who they got rid of and who they signed as a presenting partner of the new revamped ESPN F1 broadcasts.
0: Yeah, they got rid of Mother's Polish and replaced it with Mercedes, which is, it's not, I guess if you're an American sports fan, you're so used to seeing Mercedes everywhere. There's now two stadiums with the Mercedes branding on it. We're just used to Mercedes now. So, But that was kind of weird not seeing uh, Mother's Polish all over the broadcast uh, in Bahrain.
1: Yeah, so uh, Mother's Polish had signed. I think it was a three-year renewal back in 2020, and it was like to today. It was March second, 2023. Contract was up, and um, and they signed on Mercedes-Benz. Which, I mean, it's great. We get more commercial-free broadcasting. Um, the whole commercial-free model is fantastic. They they did announce a few things. So, um, yeah. Um, Mercedes would be getting some logos and some kind of uh, bugs on screen. During the race, they would be getting, I think the same spot that Mother's got, um, and I didn't even get a chance to see it this past weekend because we I was at a party that I couldn't see the post-race. Um, but they got the post, I believe they got the post-race Mother's Polish. You know, brought this was brought to you by Mother's Polish, kind of like the thing that you see after the race. Um, and, and a few other things that they're going to get, but it, it's essentially what mother's polish was getting now. Mercedes-Benz is getting it. Uh, I, I, for one, am really excited that somebody, it doesn't matter who it is, right? Whether it's mother's polish or Mercedes-Benz or Chevy or Ford or whoever is, is sponsoring that. It's just keeping it commercial free, right? Because there are other sports like NASCAR, where you don't get that commercial free experience um, or other racing, I guess motorsports, that you don't get a commercial-free experience, and people just hate it. And I, I couldn't imagine having to watch Formula One with with that. So this well, is good.
0: You think about it too, with uh, with commercial breaks in the NFL, NBA, etc. It's 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 such a, a strange environment because everything essentially stops for that commercial break there's really nothing going on there's
1: mm-hmm.
0: breaks there's there's a, a scheduled sort of timeout, if you will it's it's all just kind of it gets very quiet on the field too if you're at a football game there's just there's not really a lot going on and imagine if the cars all had to stop for those breaks in a similar way that it happens in the nba or nhl so or um uh nfl so yeah. i think this is it doesn't make sense at all to have commercial breaks period during motor racing i think you need to have you need to be able to deliver fans that sort of seamless broadcast whereas from flag to flag and this partnership makes that possible i i could not imagine streaming an f1 race and being successful uh if this was if they had to have commercial breaks i just i can't imagine that so good on espn for staying committed to that just because like i said they they understand the product that they have to deliver but back to our conversation last week though one thing that one of my takeaways from that uh, question is f1 in decline i think the fact that conglomerates like disney are selling out of commercial ad inventory answers that question for us right then and there
1: yeah oh yeah i mean the I believe it was the commercial director for uh Disney said that. You know, he said, like, we have no ad inventory. Yeah. None. That completely sold out of ad in inventory. And to think that they don't even have like to think that Formula One is pulling that much, that the popularity is that much or that high for Formula One that not only are sponsors paying top dollar, but there's enough sponsors paying top dollar, right? It's not just one or two. It's like, well, we've filled up every ad spot we've got. We literally don't have the inventory to even sell you anymore, which means the advertising is going to get more expensive, right? That's, that's supply and demand for you. But uh, yeah, t- t- to your point about, or to our point, I guess last week about F1 decline, just, I, I don't see it. I mean, people live on, the, you want to live in a bubble. You know, whatever bubble you live in, if it's Twitter or Reddit or, uh, you know, your friend group at home, but there's so much more to it that you just don't see. And people that are watching the sport, right? I mean, the numbers don't lie. So when you look at the fact that viewership has gone from 675,000 average watching Formula One races in this country in 2018 19 to an average of 1.2 million that's double that's double yeah. like there's no you can't make that up right there's nothing i can't that's not a lie it didn't just come out of nowhere there's no different you know and and sometimes streaming is not always counted in those numbers as well so the numbers could be slightly higher um this is all impressive this is all upward trajectory. Uh, yes, things have to continue in that way. And the only thing I think that is going to end up being, I don't want to say a deterrent, but may slow down the growth is if the on track product doesn't get better. And I don't, I know that we didn't want to, it's not exactly where we were going with this today, but the on track product needs to get better. And, Listen, most new fans may not know or realize that Formula One, like a lot of motorsport, is dominated by dynasties, essentially. For lack of a better word, I'm going to call it dynasties. And so, fans that are coming into the sport now are seeing Red Bull dominance. Before that, Mercedes dominated for seven years, eight years. Um, Before that, you know, you had Red Bull won four championships. Before that, you had... Um, you know Ferrari won a bunch of championships you had Williams dominance you had McLaren dominance so it's like it it goes through dominance because of just the way the sport is set up or the series is set up Um, and, and that's why and I've been saying this for a long time something that Drive to Survive does not do a good job of is educating the fans this education of like here's what to expect and that's why I think it's so important that you get the fans buying into other things, not just outcomes of the races, or at least the outcomes of the races at the top. I put out a tweet after the race about how exciting it was. It was I thought it was a you know good race. And people were like, How do you think it's a good race when the you know, the driver wins by forty-four seconds or whatever? 38 seconds over Cheka, or whatever it was. And I'm like, because I, at that, at some, at one point during the race, I just stopped caring about the battle at the top. And it's like, look at all the things that are happening below that. Like there's so much happening. And when you understand that the constructors are fighting for positions at the end of the year for, you know, what could be the difference of 10, 20, $30 million, if they, you know, depending on where they finish, that makes it exciting. But people that don't know that think, oh, Max Verstappen won by a long shot. This is boring. And yes, I understand how that can will can and will get boring, but there are other things that are also exciting. And so education, I think, goes a long way um, if they want to keep the growth moving upwards as opposed to stagnating or, or falling. I, I just, I don't see that happening yet.
0: Yeah, I fully agree. I think that if F1 wants to continue this rise, if they want to continue attracting fans, then and maybe this is also a place where content creators come into play because I just released on my blog just before the start of the season, an F1 fan uh, essentially guide on, on how to watch the races, um, different terminology, what happens, just procedural elements of Formula One, things like that. And I think that's perhaps maybe our In a weird way, content creators' job right now in in terms of building the sport is doing these sort of ancillary things that maybe F1 doesn't necessarily have the manpower to do because they're focused on so many other things on giving us that content. I mean, we think about the actual press conferences and actual things that go down on track that they give us sort of a lens into. They're doing so much work already that so much of that gets put on content creators to say, if we want to build the base, this is what we have to do it's It's a it, you know, to invoke a political term, it's it's a grassroots movement. And I'm proud to be part of that. I know that you're proud to be part of it as well. But that is a lot of pressure, I think, on content creators to move this uh, this 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 thing in the right direction. And yeah, I think that perhaps at some point content creators might start to get a little upset. Maybe they feel like they're pulling more weight than they should have to and maybe not getting, paid or not getting, you know, things in return for the work and the effort that they're putting in. And I think that may be, it might cause some rifts in the future, but in terms of what F1 is doing, I think they're doing everything they can in their power to keep this, this, uh, this thing from, um, from regressing.
1: And that's where they don't necessarily have to even think about it, right? There are the content creators, there are doing things already, like that's going to happen. And that's, that shows you how. I guess the word I want to use is mature. Your your series is, or how how mature the the content may be. You see a lot of content creators in different sports. Golf right now is undergoing an absolutely. I, I'm going to call it a renaissance, and it's mainly because of the golf and golf lifestyle content creators and mean pages that have grown from, the you know, from the sport that are like creating so much interest in it. And that's where I think, and, and I, you know, I think to an extent you kind of see it in F1, you're seeing it more, but allowing it, what, what F1 can do and should do. And, and I think is doing is allowing that to, you know, prosper and to grow and empowering more the, you know, giving the content creators more access and giving them, uh, you know, first first-hand looks at things that don't normally get, I mean, that's just an opportunity for them to get in front of, truly get in front of audiences that they may never touch. Uh, and content creators do a great job of identifying their niche. There's really a niche for everyone uh, I was scrolling TikTok last night and there was a Spanish content creator. I don't speak Spanish. I speak Italian. So I understand a little bit of Spanish here and there, words here and there. Uh, and it was like commentating on races. Like it was like funny commentary on races, right? And and I lost my, I went and clicked on the, per, the person's profile and I'm clicking through and I'm like oh my god this is hysterical and they did like really cool animation with it so the animation tied together with the uh, the 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 uh, voiceover was like just awesome right and I'm like man that's just this whole subset this whole sub niche whatever you want to call it this sub community that's and that's just one like there's plenty right there's people that that talk about the drivers and they're kind of off the grid, life and whatnot. Um, there's people that talk about tech. There's people like us that talk about business and and politics about the sport. And that's just a few things, right? And then everyone puts their own spin on it. There's so much opportunity. They don't even have to do the work. They just have to empower the creators. They literally don't have to do anything but empower the creators and let it all happen. Like it's it's actually there's streamers, the whole streaming community, the watch alongs. I mean, there's folks that go on there, pay their own money for Formula One T V Pro, get multiviewer, and broadcast watch alongs with timing data and telemetry and break things down, explain different stuff. I mean, you don't get that on a broadcast, right? And that's that's something for free that a creator is doing with their own two or three hours, you know, during a week. Never mind all the work they the legwork they put into to doing it. So Embracing that is, 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 the, is truly the next step in my opinion.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. I also think, I mean, perhaps it's a good segue to the next uh, thing we were gonna talk about with uh, explaining yeah. the F1's show and tell procedure. And mm-hmm. perhaps maybe this is where you're gonna start seeing more content creators on the grid actually focusing on these things because uh, I just think that, again, we talk about content, content being the driver right now. Uh, The FIA, for those who don't know, introduced this procedure last year to increase transparency for card developments. And teams have to notify the FIA before each Grand Prix of any major aerodynamic and bodywork components and assemblies that they intend to use during the race weekend. These components also have to be displayed, I think it's before FP1, outside of garages so that media so anyone who's pretty much there had has access to it can see what these are so in 2022 some teams they were using some clever trickery to sort of avoid doing this and so the fia revised the rules that says if only one car Uh, will carry major aerodynamic and bodywork components and assemblies that have not been run at a previous competition or testing uh, and are intended to be run at the competition this car must be displayed to the media so perhaps this might be a really good time i know that last year during austin everybody was talking about the front wing of mercedes and they were that was that was all you were seeing for for at least a day on social media or people kind of breaking down what this wing was, what these inlets were doing. And that was really fascinating. So I I think that this could possibly be another opportunity for content creators to jump on the grid and really start analyzing all these garages before FP1 for these potential changes that they're doing. And and I think this would be a great idea for tech uh, people uh, on the tech side of content creation to really get in there. And start yeah. to get on top of these things, and really kind of take ownership of that component of of uh, the race weekend. Because I think that's where they can really shine, and I think that that is also where perhaps F one can really benefit from that, from their knowledge.
1: Yeah, this is. I mean, it's good if if this is going to truly help with you know the the level of secrecy. Uh, obviously, teams want to maintain some level of secrecy. I don't think this takes away all of that. And it's not like a team is going to be able to replicate a part overnight, right? Um, although they, they probably can, but I don't think that's that's going to happen. Um, it's not something teams are going to do. Let's put it that way. Uh, it's just that transparency level. And I love the fact that the media uh, can have more opportunity to really... I think it's a... Is it 90 minutes they get or something like that? Or, or yeah, the media... The pre-event automobile display, I believe they're calling it, is revealed to the media and it happens like 90 minutes before FP1 is what you're talking about. And then I think there's a second show and tell. That's what I think, I know. There's a second show and tell session 30 minutes after qualifying. Um, after everything's locked, cars are under park firm, there's uh, the race director chooses five teams to supply one car. Um, and so those are, are are there on display again. I like it. I think you're right that tech, tech, I want. keep wanting to say tech talk, tech folks that are so, um, good at breaking down. My friend Molly is, is a really good, she does, does this on TikTok, on Twitter, just podcasts, does a really good job at breaking this stuff down in fairly layman's terms. I mean I don't understand a lot of the tech I understand it I don't necessarily always get right all the arrow conversation but she does a really good job breaking all of it down and she's doing it for free right like it's free content online of someone who is an engineer breaking something down like that's to me that almost blows my mind that that people are willing to give their time I mean There's so many people that do this, but the tech discussions are, and that you can, you can get as high level of tech discussions as you'd like. There's like super technical discussions. Like there's an entire F1 technical Reddit, which half the time I can't understand anything that's going on in that. Like I'll, I'll peruse it and I'm just like, blows my mind. But then there's folks that do a really good job at breaking it down in really, really, uh, easy to digest terms, uh, Molly does a great job. Uh, Dr. Obs, he's another one on Twitter who does a really good job. Uh, Bryson Sullivan, he, his, he's a little more technical um, for me, while Bryson knows his stuff. And again, this is all free. This is all readily available for you. All you have to do is use your phone and either jump on a podcast or follow these people on Twitter or TikTok and... All this information is at your fingertips and you can know just as much as anybody else. So yeah, F1 allowing that. Now the next step is, okay, hey, we wanna partner with some creators or we wanna give creators access because we know they're gonna go and get this stuff out there to the audience. It's like, yes, F1 has a bigger audience than, than the creators, but they have so much other stuff they have to put out and content they have to put out. Let the creators get put the content out there for you in partnership with you. It's still official. And then you don't have to worry about like clogging up your feeds, you, meaning F1, with trying to please everybody, right? Because you're never gonna please everybody. You post something about Max Verstappen winning and everyone else is up, all the other fans are upset. You post something about tech and you've alienated the people who don't care about tech. Um, It's, you're never gonna satisfy everybody and that's where creators who have built out niches can can do that
0: yeah no i fully agree uh back to your point though about uh you can't uh replicate a part overnight i was remembering <laughs> a, a Toto wolf uh Toto wolf said to sky sports the good news for us is that there's a lot of mercedes in there so we know where to pinpoint it so that will be helpful in the recovery referring to that aston martin car so <laughs> i know they've got the gearbox they've got the power unit a couple of other things in there so I don't know i think if anyone is capable of replicating a part overnight i think it is mercedes but i think tech
1: i think technically they can right i think that the technology they have the ability to i should i should probably uh clarify what i was saying but i think nothing i think i don't i don't see a team saying oh look at that part that we just saw out there during fp1 or whatever let's go replicate it tonight and try it on our car i, I don't think yeah. that's gonna happen, right? Suddenly. Uh, but yes, I believe the technology is there for them to they they could. I mean maybe I don't know if it's overnight or whatnot, but technology's come a long way where parts are literally able to be fabricated fairly quickly, um, compared to, you know, decades ago where it was weeks on weeks on weeks on maybe months to get parts. Um so yeah, that I just I had to clarify. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well I think that was more from the the questioning after the Bahrain Grand Prix of where does Mercedes stand because obviously Lewis said we're now fourth when you think about it so
1: God yes yeah.
0: what does Mercedes do from here and I think this can this can work perfectly within our next point was the the cost cap is it working or is it not working because I think that to uh to a lot of team principals right now, Is there a reason for them to be worried about the teams that maybe have access to external help?
1: So is the cost cap working? I don't know, right? Because it's not like suddenly you're seeing Williams fighting at at the very top. But again, it does take a long time, right? So even if the cost cap, even with the cost cap, let me put that out there, it's you're not just going to turn a team around in a year or two. That's not necessarily feasible, especially, and what Mercedes, and and I guess we'll kind of mix all these topics into one. What you're seeing with Mercedes right now is they took a shot at a new regulation last year. It didn't necessarily work. And now the continuation of that project, which they started, is proving to not be, I don't want to say beneficial, it's just, it's not proving to really be um, competitive. And you can't just change that overnight either, right? You can't decide like, we're going to go in a completely different direction. We're going to slap fat Ferrari side pods on this thing now. And all of a sudden, and it's, it's going to work, right? Like that just that you can't do that. it, It just, that's not the way these cars work. They're so aerodynamically precise that you would have to change so many different things to do, to do, you know, one little, um, or not one little change to do a major change like that. So, the, and again, because of the cost cap, they can't just dump endless funds into saying, hey, we'll go spend a billion dollars to make this car a winner over the, uh, over three weeks, a three week break or whatever. Like that's just not going to happen. So, is the cost cap creating fair play? I also don't know because there's still teams that can't even spend up to the cost cap. You know, Haas was trying to sign sponsors. They got MoneyGram, which they said would help them get closer to the cost cap, but they're still not all the way up there. Uh, Williams, I I don't know what their expenditure is. I haven't seen it, but I don't think they're anywhere near the cost cap. So, if... I mean, listen, you see in other sports too, the Pittsburgh Pirates in, in Major League Baseball, you know, spend like no money and they are terrible. I mean, they spend so little money. Like, I don't know, maybe, I don't even know what it is. 30, 40 million, like so, so much lower when you've got teams that are spending 200 million plus, like, they're never going to be able to compete, right? So it's a very similar, compa- like in my head, it's a very similar comparison to, you know, you have the Yankees and the Red Sox spending and a Dodger spending endless amounts of money on, on their team, buying the best players and spending all that, spending whatever money they want. And, and the penalty, right. For spending over a certain amount is to pay a luxury tax, which their owners are like, yeah, we don't care. We'll pay the, we'll pay the luxury. We will gladly pay the luxury tax just so we can spend whatever we want to spend. But then you have teams that can't even come anywhere close. So they don't, they don't spend it right They're They're running it like a business and not just an ego trip like some of these other owners and they can't compete and that's where like f1 is the same way now there's a cost cap but it's like okay what that's gonna take i think cost cap is gonna take a couple years of it and it has to be truly enforced as well no shade on red bull but it has to be actually enforced you have to enforce it to the letter If it's $400,000 or $4 million or $40 million that you go over, it's a violation, right? Um, if I, if I am speeding, if I'm and a police officer stops me, whether I'm going four miles over the limit or 14 miles over the limit, I'm speeding. Right. And they have the right to, to police that same thing with, you know, with, with cost cap, so policing it is very, very critical. I'm gonna stop talking for a second and let you chime in. I heard, I, I heard you trying to say something.
0: <laughs> well, the reason why I I present this question is because Alpine Principal well, Ottmar uh, Softnauer uh, he said actually warned that teams could exploit a loophole, which would allow for collaboration between teams and divisions that are separate from their F1 programs. It, and he kind of said something like having secret employees and how do you stop that from happening you know there comes a time when sort of all these i think he said ancillary businesses that are now cropping up that without a budget cap wouldn't be there we have to look at that and make sure the loopholes aren't big enough to where effectively we don't have a cap and it begs the question could red bull use ford as an ancillary sort of development shell um, for those developments, the same applies to works teams. And I think we can, most of us can agree that Red Bull's punishment, it wasn't, for breaching the cap, it wasn't bad enough, I think, to deter teams from doing that. I think we joke now and say that Lewis Hamilton's um, uh, food budget just got a lot higher this year. and we joke about that, but is that really a joke? Could these teams be using, sort of like I said, these shell development companies to push to create product that they're using for their actual cars? Do you think that's a concern down the line?
1: I, mean, I think it's already a concern. Even, even like you said, using other teams, right? Uh, the conversation is even with, you know, Red Bull, Red Bull, Alpha Tauri. Uh, even to an extent, Ferrari and Haas, right? Using similar uh, facilities and whatnot. There's always gonna be loopholes. And if I've learned anything in all my years of watching Formula One or just motorsports in general, is they are masters of finding loopholes and taking advantage of them. Yeah, Um, Especially in a series like Formula One where it's... So I I read Adrian Newey's book many times, uh, How to Build a Car. And one of the first things he talks about in the book or he mentioned this mentions this numerous times is that his goal is not to really interpret the rules um how did he put it now now i forgot exactly basically he said where his his role or his job is to take the rules and go as close to like breaking them as he possibly can and it's like Mm. when you think about that you're like wow that's what the name of the sport is. That's the name of the game is to literally get as close, you know, or finding ways to interpret things differently without breaking the rules. Like that's what these folks are masters of doing. So yeah. you're never going to close every loophole. I think the way you close that off is, is probably not a way that anybody ever wants to see, which... Uh, We've talked about like spec series before. I don't know if we've talked about it in this podcast, but I know I've talked about it elsewhere. And no one one wants to see a spec series. Formula One is all about technology and uh, creating absolute technological phenoms, aerodynamic masterpieces. That's what it's about. But it's almost like you can't have all all of those things. You can't have the masterpiece without the money. But then if you have if you allow that, then not everybody can compete. And then if not everybody competes, you don't really have a competitive sport. So like it's kind of like this weird circle.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think there's a way to prevent this. I don't think there's a way to stop this. So it you know, it yeah. does make the other question is, is the cap for nothing? Is should we just get rid of the cap and And I I don't see where this possibly ends well for smaller teams. I don't see even in a couple of years in the cost cap era where the other smaller teams get an advantage from the bigger teams not being able to spend as much money. I see them exploiting every single loophole humanly possible to get an advantage. And that's not fair for those smaller teams, but I don't see them ever closing that gap. I just, I don't. And that's been completely realistic
1: yeah no, i i mean this is one of those topics that we can kind of like i think find so many different ways to attack it um and if we talk about it long enough we'll probably present enough angles to where we can see it from so many different positions Be like oh well yeah the cost cap sounds like a good idea but also the cost cap doesn't sound like a good idea like it it really just depends on what position you want to take with it if it's all about getting the absolute fastest, most aerodynamically perfect cars, then I say the cap sucks. Yeah. If, you know, or, or technology, right? If if taking the technology from the car to the road for consumers, if that's really like something that uh is is what we're after, then yeah, take the doors, you know, take the take the safety belt off and let it go. Like let's let's find the coolest technology we possibly can. But if we're talking about fair competition and we're talking about, you know, I, I, I don't want to use the word exciting, but racing and competitive, maybe parity, then yeah, then you need the cost cap. But every team has to kind of be able to spend that much money. So that's where I, that's where I start to get like, it gets gray for me because you can have a cost cap, but if not, every team can even spend it again, go right back to my, my major league baseball example. Just because there's a limit or, you know, a kind of limit doesn't mean everyone can even get anywhere near it. So either you have to drop it down really low, which could be interesting. Uh, But I don't think think having 23, 24, 25 races is going to help that number, right? The more races you have, the higher the cap has to go up, plain and simple.
0: Yeah, but so, I think we we already went through this discussion last year with inflation. Teams were concerned about what is inflation going to do yeah. to our cost, to all these other things. Yeah. And your team principal is talking about redundancies and things they're having to let people go in order to pay for X, Y, and Z. And it's like, yeah, it, it's when you start to look at every single element that goes into a team staying at cost, staying at that cost cap at some point i think f1 also has to look at is this fair to the employees that are that are having to be let go because of things that are uncontrollable like like things like inflation i don't know i i just there's too many factors i think and yeah we talk about wanting competitive cars wanting to let's let's keep the cost cap to keep competition going but at the same time, what is actually fueling the popularity of Formula One? People want fast cars. People want crazy good technology. People are here for that. You're not here to hear about some team sob story. You really don't care about that. And I think that at some point, F1 is going to have to maybe do a, a, a straw poll, if you will, among viewers and, and maybe kind of pulse where they're going to go from that because, I think if they were to ask me, how do you feel about about the actual product on track and how it relates to the cost cap, I would say, get rid of the cost cap. Like, I think the cost cap is doing more to, I think, hurt the sport than anything. And yeah, that that's just my opinion. People might disagree. But as F1 continues to rise in popularity, as more people continue to get involved in F1, I think eventually you're going to see teams either have to sell because they can't compete anymore. Uh, which might be a great opportunity for teams like Andretti. Or you're going to have teams have to say, okay, what do we have to do to get those huge sponsors that are going to keep us in this game? And maybe that is what's going to spark that competition that's going to see this crazy shit happen on track because that's what I'm, I I want to see. I want to see incredible competition, not a whole bunch of cars you know, and the, in the front of the grid and a whole bunch of cars in the back of the grid and have that beat season in the first race. That's not fun.
1: But, you you know, that's also not necessarily sustainable for the lower teams, which I don't necessarily feel bad for either, but it's not sustainable for the lower teams. And for new teams coming in, it's almost going to require you to have what Total Wolf said uh, a year ago, I think it was, you have to have about a billion dollars to even enter this the series. And a lot of people, probably including myself, were like, oh my God, this is nuts. This is gatekeeping. But the more I see it, the more I see the case for no cost cap, the more Toto's right. You you've got to come into this with a billion bucks. You've got to come into this with a lot of money because what's the point? If you're coming on here to and and again, this is no offense to the, the the teams at the bottom, but if you're entering just to be one of these teams at the bottom, there's literally no point. Cause this is not a moneymaker. Most of these teams are not making money. Yeah. So I listen, I, I'm I'm with you. I would rather see the absolute best racing possible. That's what I want to see. I just yeah. I don't see how all the current narratives and this is the other thing, right? This is where F1 is needs to kind of step back and say, Okay, what's our actual narrative here? Because you You can't say you want sustainability and then have 30 races on the calendar, right? You can't say we don't want a cost cap, but we want the best racing, or we want a cost cap, but we want the absolute best possible racing. The cars are getting bigger, but we still want to put them on tracks like Monaco, right? Like all of like when you start comparing these different, and I call them narratives, but whatever stories that you're, that, are being told to fans like they don't necessarily match. So all of those things, in order for everything to be appealing, you just have to have like a similar or you have to have the same outcome or the same goal in mind rather than two different ones or three different ones or four different ones. Yeah. And so well, anyway.
0: I think this also plays into what we wanted to talk about with Drive to Survive. When people watch DTS, they watch it for the driver drama. They watch it for the team principal drama. They don't really watch it to find out anything else. If you if you wanna know more about the tech side of F1, you're gonna start following tech Twitter. If you wanna know more about business and politics, you're gonna find a bunch of different people who who cover that kind of stuff. But when you're watching Drive to Survive, and I've seen enough episodes to know what you're looking for when you're watching that. And it's not about most of the staff members. It's not about the commentators necessarily. It's about the drivers and about their drama. You want to see inside their houses. You want to see what cars they're drive, they drive. You want to see what their lives are like outside of the track, what their relationships are like. So this is why recently there were some surveys done about women and sexism in Formula One, women and sexism in Drive to Survive. And I think as it relates to what people want to see on track, we want to see the best cars. We want to see the best drivers. We want to see the best technology, but we, I think we do want to know more about the people behind the scenes who are making this happen. Do you think at some point also that F1 could make their own untold stories, the women of the paddock or the people of the paddock and talking about all the things that they do that, that, that kind of make F1 happen. And, I mean, do you think that that could potentially add any value in terms of maybe quelling those narratives? Well,
1: yes. Short answer is yes. Could could F1 do that? Absolutely. Do I think it's already in place like we talked about the, you know at the jump of this podcast? I do. I, I do think a lot of it is in place, whether it's creators or other entities that are are creating. All F1 has to do is kind of give their official blessing, right? Or allow a little bit more access to these folks. They already have all of this at their disposal. There's, there's a lot of, there, there's not enough women, right? In Formula One. But there are a lot of them. And there are a lot of stories that aren't getting told. I agree with you 100%. But you have folks on Instagram that are doing a great job shining the light. Partner with them. There's plenty of accounts that I follow on Instagram or TikTok that do a great job bringing out, you know, females in motorsport, females in Formula One. Partner with them. Give them access. Let them do what they already love to do, and help them promote that. And then all Formula One needs to do is kind of help amplify it. But they don't have to. They don't actually have to go and create like another series. They can partner with them. It's hey, this is an official F1 and females in motorsport series. Wow, that's freaking awesome. Like I I think so. I I, what do you think? I mean, do you what was that something you would watch or look at, especially if you knew that F1 was empowering the creator to do it?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think the females in motorsport survey was very eye-opening. They said women spoke for just 1.54% of the season five runtime. And throughout all of season five, or throughout all five seasons, women spoke for less than an hour. So when we think about the fact that content creators are increasingly women, and this isn't just women talking about, oh, that driver is really cute. Oh, I love that driver's hair. This is content creators really getting in there and getting dirty and and understanding the technology, understanding what's going on behind, you know, beyond the car, beyond the garage. They're understanding the technology in a way that they can really add value as storytellers. How did this come to be? Why is this here? What does this do to to increase the car's um, uh, aerodynamics? Like they are so involved in talking about every single component of these cars, and it's that is is something that these people put years, if not decades, of of learning into to become experts in these fields. And why is F1 not like like to your point, why are they not partnering with these, with these people, with these women? They are fascinating. And there's so many of them out there. And so yeah, I, I do think F one has so much content already at their disposal. All they have to do is just reach out and say, I want to work with you. I like your concept. I like what you're doing and and understand that that there's a lot of gatekeeping that goes on in any industry. And I think that if F1 wants to sort of reverse these narratives, it's very easy for them to sit there and say, we know how to find content. We know how to find talent. And we know we have this budget. We have this crazy budget that we've never had before to work with these people. We don't have to hire them camera crews. they, They know how to produce their own content. They know how to create their own packages. And if they don't, we can have someone that can help them do it. And they have all of that built in already. So It wouldn't be that difficult for F1 to switch that narrative of sexism and F1 and sexism in Drive to Survive on its head and say, actually, we're taking control of this now. We respect and appreciate everything that everyone is doing. And now we want to let people know that we're fully on board because here we are creating this podcast once a week. When you think about the research, the the actual sitting down to record, the editing, uh, the social, all the things that we do. We are taking our time and creating a free product for formula one, right? So yep. at some point, wouldn't it be nice as a content creator, if someone in F1 were to be like, I like what you had to say about this, 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 and this, we'd like to reach out, out to you and and sort of see what we can do to, to to collaborate. And that at the end of the day, that's all content creators want. And we do know that there's a lot of gatekeeping and content creation and It doesn't have to be there all you're doing is continuing to push these narratives i mean we're not going to tell a business how to conduct a business we're just giving suggestions here
1: yeah listen i i i run a business i run i have multiple businesses i'm not going to tell anyone how to run their their own business right um but i would like i would love to give ideas and i think your ideas are spot on like we've talked about the opportunities are there you just had to have to open the door, or or kind of like crack open the door a little more for some of those folks to come pouring in and take advantage of what what's what's happening. You're right. This is a free product. I would love to find out how many um, how many accounts out there on on social media across social media are have Formula One or Formula something in their name. And like, it's, it's eye-opening. It's like, it's almost every, every day I discover a new formula, you know, formula, whatever, F1 podcast, this F1 memes, this, and it's like, wow, that is literally free advertising using F1 in, in, in your handle, right? Which F1 could also, by the way, legally, they probably have, not probably, they have the right to come take that down, right? F1 is trademarked. So they come take that down. I don't think they do to everybody, right? Maybe unless you get big enough, they might come after you if you use that kind of F1 in the show or in the title. But like th- that's an opportunity right there for, for F1 to say like, wow, there's a growing number here of, of just, I mean, this is just the eyeball test. <laughs> this isn't even the data. It's just the eyeball test. Um, and i think that understanding the power of the communities that are already built and and no errors and, and and understanding that all they have to do is kind of flip a switch to give the official blessing so to speak like they they could literally have a team cuz i also understand this as a business owner you can't possibly have enough employees right to cover every topic that F1, the, the the F1 creator community is already covering, right? Impossible. F1 doesn't have the money to, to, to hire that many creators, but they have the money or the ability to do other things. And that's where I think it could get real interesting. You have a small team that says, all we do is look at creators and look for creators and like you said, your idea, find creators that we, we like, or we think are, are, are we want to test out and just give them the, give them the stamp of approval. Hey, we will, this'll be an official, it'll be VF1 show presented by F1. I don't know, whatever, however you want to, you know, put that out there.
0: What a dream. Imagine. Yeah yeah i actually i do imagine that and i think that's why we started this podcast because we had a vision that there was a a niche that needed to be filled and that's what the, this podcast is attempting to do because i feel like a lot of these political podcasts or government leaning podcasts are i think more angled towards social issues things that are kind of more on the surface and That's not necessarily a bad thing because again, everything is content and everything is important to talk about, but there's so much, and we're going to go into this throughout the season. There's so many deeper topics that, that require our exploration and understanding to really understand the magnitude that is F1 in this global scale that it's on right now. And we're attempting to fill that void with this podcast. We're attempting to fill the business void with this podcast. And so, I don't know, I just, I think that F1, they're, they 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 grew very very fast, and we're not trying to like I said tell F one or tell anyone how to run their business. But you know, as business owners, I think giving people suggestions from time to time also doesn't hurt. And. Hey, you've already got the content creators. You have if the fact that you have enough people willing to put their names out there with their content, with their voices to and, and be open to ridicule and criticism and all sorts of things just to create for this business. Yeah, I do think it's time that F1 starts to take back those like I said those sexist narratives, those those you know other things that are being talked about and really start to say, "Okay, we can we can change this. And we can change this very quickly." And I think that yeah there are a lot of topics that F1 can tackle right now but I think that this is something that can be very easily managed and it, I, I don't think it would take them very much to do it so just our suggestion if anyone at F1 happens to listen to this nudge nudge it, wink, that,
1: it's, it's absolutely <laughs> it is absolutely a low hanging fruit yeah F1. It it is something that like it's not that hard. It's really not that hard. It's common I think it's common sense at this point and the ability their ability to implement it is what's really going to be on display. Um a lot of there's a lot of sports that are are doing a really great job at these types of things and opening the doors to more types of creators, to more creators in general um you know only only helps your brand only helps your brand obviously there's things you have to take care of and make sure that you you pay attention to when picking creators but that's a whole different topic yeah
0: we'll we'll leave that to F1's legal department
1: <laughs> <laughs> ah what a pack show um i man this is like this type of conversation is something that I love, like, I love talking about this kind of stuff. I love talking about ideas. I love talking about, um, opportunities that can be discovered. And it's, it's, to me, it's always funny that you sometimes when we think we collectively think an idea is not necessarily, oh, well, that's not a great idea. Like that's common sense. Like I'm sure they've thought of that already. Not necessarily. Right. Not necessarily. So who knows? Who knows? The ideas we're putting out there are ones that are. Anyone's even thought about yet within uh, within, you know, in this case, F1, but in general. So I I love this kind of stuff like this kind of show really gets me. Gets my juices flowing, gets my brain going. And I could probably talk about it for seven hours, but I I I know you listeners don't have seven hours to listen to us.
0: Unfortunately.
1: <laughs> now, something we did do this week was we kept this to under an hour for all of you. So what, what, what we want to know is, did you like the shorter format of the show? We went, we went a little faster this week, um, as opposed to last week. We'd love to hear your thoughts, uh, hit us up. I'm at Vincenzo Leandino on Twitter. That's the best place to find me. V, what's the best place to find you?
0: V, VF Castro on Twitter. Or Instagram, but I don't usually answer Instagram to Twitter.
1: Ah, uh, you're one of those who just don't look at your Instagram DMs. Got it.
0: <laughs> well, actually, no i have my I have my DMs deactivated on on Twitter, so that's I'm saying. If you want to send me a DM, probably Instagram.
1: All right, all right. Well, well, I'm the one that responds all the time. Or you could publicly you could publicly add us um, to let us know what you think about the new format. If you haven't already. We live on reviews and ratings. So go to your favorite podcast player, leave us a review and a rating. We will forever love you for it. On that note, I am Vincenzo. I am Vanessa or VF. Oh, oh, you said your name.
0: <laughs> I said my whole name. Actually, no, that isn't my whole
1: name. That's nah, just not your whole name, but half of your whole name.
0: <laughs> okay. For anyone wondering, VF stands for Vanessa hyphen Francesca.
1: I think that's so much cooler than vf on that
0: thank you so much for tuning into the vf1 show if you liked it please don't forget to hit the subscribe button and for previews of next week's show follow us on instagram and twitter at the vf castro and vincenzo landino